This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, I was at the Philadelphia airport this morning at 4 a.m., which, as you know, I'm not a morning person, so 4 o'clock was really early mm. since that was Eastern time. Security was crazy today in a way that I haven't seen since right after 9-11 flying out of Washington, D.C. I mean, lines were insane, but the lines were moving. We were rushing through. I mean, you were, you were hauling it, but the lines were nuts. I just want to ask you a question. So you've stood in line, you've gotten up to the first TSA guy, and you hand him your boarding pass, you hand him your ID, he scans it, you get up to the conveyor belt that leads into the x-ray machine. What's the first thing you do? I take my boots off, and then I take my belt off, because those are the two things that are always going to get me. Obviously, I have to take my boots off, because, well, you just have to, because of the, I guess, security threat of hiding stuff in our boots or in the soles of our shoes. So, we, you know, you take your boots off, you take your belt off. You you start taking things out of your pocket, throwing it in the tray, getting your laptop out. That's my progression. Okay. So that's my progression too. And this morning I took my shoes off. Now I've learned at the airport, there's like one specific machine where you don't have to take your laptop out. So I always try to position myself so I get to leave my laptop in the bag. But I took my shoes off and I got yelled at. The TSA guy starts yelling at me at four o'clock in the morning for taking my shoes off. I'm thinking, has something happened? I mean, it was really nice to be able to to fly today without having a mask mandate. That was fantastic. But he's like, why are you taking your shoes off? He's like, look around you. Are you not paying attention? No one's taking their shoes off. And he goes, if you take your shoes off, then the person behind you is going to take their shoes off. And the person behind that's going to take their shoes off. Why are you not paying attention? No one's taking their... And he's yelling at me in the Philadelphia airport. Now, has something happened in the world that I have missed... that we're no longer taking our shoes off at the airport because I took them off Saturday flying out. Do you have you heard anything? Yeah, so you took them off in Pensacola, but you didn't have to take them off coming back in Philadelphia and got yelled at for it. I haven't seen an announcement. Now, it's been a couple of months since I've flown, so, you know, there's my disclaimer. Uh, I'll fly next week. I think I'm pretty newsworthy. Like, I'm pretty, like, up on... I have all the appropriate major media outlet news apps on my phone. I I think I'm pretty up on things. And as far as I know, um, unless there's some... Maybe there's new machines. No, it was the same machine. It's the same? I'm telling you, it was the same same machine. All right. No, I'm backing you on this one. I don't... Yeah. I don't... I don't understand. Maybe he didn't have his coffee yet. Maybe he was a minute into his first shift or something. And, you know, he needed his coffee. He hadn't had his coffee. And you know, did he have the sort of like authority trip going on? Maybe. I mean, I don't no, know. No, he was he was extremely just like sarcastic. But it was really interesting because all I could think of was I've been taking my shoes off for almost 21 years at the airport. It's been almost 21 years since 9-11. I have been taking my shoes off doing this the same way way for two decades. If you want me to change it, I'm good. Like getting to keep my shoes on and not having to be barefoot at the airport, I am all good with that. Like I have no problems with that. But if we're going to change something you've had me do for two decades, at least give me a sign. To quote Bill Ingvall, here's your sign. You don't have a problem with the rules. You just have a problem with the fact that they've changed the rules and haven't told you. And then yell at me for not knowing. And then they're yelling at you because you're non-compliant and they're being sarcastic and it's four o'clock in the morning. That obviously doesn't feel good. 
And I had a weird one too. So I, I decided to jump in. I'm not a big commenter on social media. You know, I'm more of that look and move on kind of social media user. And You're a lurker. I, uh, I'm a lurker. Anyway, I decided to jump in. It was a LinkedIn question from outside the industry, insurance industry. And it was an interview question. It was basically from an individual who's, I know, an early 30-something. And the question was, if you're older and you're interviewing someone under the age of 30 and they use a word or phrase that you don't understand or that you don't know, or maybe it's slang, do you immediately dismiss them as a candidate or what do you do? It kind of piqued my interest because although I don't know that I've had this happen to me yet, I think what I would want to do or hope that I would do is I would try to use something like, hey, can you elaborate on that? Now, you you use the word whatever, and could you dig a little deeper and expound on that for me? Just to try to understand the definition. Number one, as a girl dad, and really as my daughters have moved out of the teenage, early teen years and, and into their 20s, and I like to stay in the know. I don't have to be cool dad. That's not my thing, but I do want to like stay up with the times. I'm a constant learner. I would want to know if I've got a younger potential candidate for a a job role and they use a phrase that I don't understand. I want to understand what it means because I don't want to be the ignorant guy in the conversation. That's just me. I like to learn as I get older. Like that's one of the things that I'm committed to. I'm committed to learning. I'm committed to being in the know. I think I need to be in terms of leadership, but I want to be. That's really, really scary to have that situation like you had, like you weren't in the know, like obviously the world changed and you didn't know. You know, you're to naturally surround yourself with your peer group, but I'm a real believer in the idea that you become like the five people that you're around the most. And so to throw another adage out there, uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, find another room. Like I really and truly believe that one, but I have wanted to surround myself and, and strive to surround myself with two types of people, people that are smarter than me and people that are younger than me. Because if I become like the people that I'm around, I want to be younger and smarter. And I think when it comes to our businesses, that's key. I've learned a lot over the last couple of years from younger agents. And I know that it's something that I'm trying to be in tune with, like I want to be in tune with. I want to be able to have debate at the same time. And I want to be able to look at them and say, why are you doing that? We tried that 20 years ago. It doesn't work. That's okay too. Now, I don't mean like just argue with them because you don't want to change. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's this blended place where as I age out of the industry or age to the top end of the industry in terms of years, and experience. I want to learn from the younger generation. I want to learn from these younger, really excited and energetic individuals. But I also want to be able to, you know, maintain some of that wiseness as I've learned things the hard way. But I want to learn continuously and perpetually as I continue to gain more and more experience. Because how else am I going to be the wiser one? How am I ever going to be the wise person or the knowledgeable person if I don't surround myself with people who can teach me things? So I love your point. Find another room. I think that what's happened is I've embraced sort of just maybe being a better listener. I'm not sure that my wife agrees with that, but that's a whole other discussion. But I hope that I'm learning to be a better listener. And that being a better listener has opened my eyes and ears to things that people are doing that I feel like are really, really exciting for our industry. Whether it's a process, whether it's an approach to referral development, whether it's a technology. And I think that's important. I think that 
that gives us the opportunity, the best chance to not enter this state of boredom. I hear that phrase all the time. People say, um, you know, be a better listener. I want to be a better listener. I'm going to listen to understand and not to respond. So what does being a better listener mean to you? For me, the guy who talks a lot, it means don't think about what I'm about to say while this other person's talking. Truly listen to them. And I may be a little slower to respond. I may not get out what I've got to say as quickly. I may not be as witty or whatever that means. I don't I don't know. But what I think I've been trying to do is not think about what I'm saying while they're talking. That is step one for me. I have been the guy or been that person that's like, I don't want to be in that situation. Or at least I grew up in that situation where I, when I walk away 10 minutes later, you're like, man, I wish I would have thought of that at that moment. Like, why didn't I say that when that situation occurred? I wish I would have been a little quicker on my feet. The longer I go, the more I realize that may not be the best approach. Sure. It's cool to be witty. But if you didn't hear what the other person said, that's going to be vital to any relationship you're going to develop. And so that's my thing is just don't think about what you're going to say. Just stop talking for a second and listen. And when you're listening in that way, you're also hearing what they're not saying. And to me, that's the most valuable part of that interpersonal communication is you're hearing what they're saying, but you're hearing what they're not saying too. I'm sorry. I was thinking about what I was going to say. Can you say that again? I'm kidding. See, I can still be witty and listen at the same time. I think that that's huge in communication itself because what someone's not saying while they're saying something, this feels like an office episode comment. This is a Michael Scott statement. (laughs) I was thinking that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's so vital to hear what they're saying when they're not saying it. If that makes sense. Yes. Which is why I think video is so important. If you're not with that person, you're not in a face-to-face environment, why we need to mix in video and have conversations that way. Remote work, folks that are not in the same office space, all of those things are, are vital in terms of seeing facial expressions, understanding what they're doing, understanding what they're saying, how they're saying it. How did they respond? to what you just said. All of these things are really vital when it comes to pure communication and building a relationship or understanding what it is. You know, did you understand what I said? Like really understand what I said? Or did you just hear words? You can hear words and not understand. Back to thinking about learning about new things or being open to new things or getting in that habit, right? You know, you're in that habit of taking your shoes off and now all of a sudden you don't have to take your shoes off at some airport randomly. And I think the thing that I want to be cautious about and I want to make sure that agents are understanding is that I came from a place in my 20s, in my early days, where there was a lot of change because it was a cool gadget or it was a cool, shiny new object. It was half-baked at best. It wasn't finished. It it didn't do what it was supposed to do. I was the guy that blew through close to $200,000 on technology in the late 90s to develop an environment that never really got off the ground. It never even really happened for us as an agency. And that is sort of that thing that stuck in my mind. That was a big fail of mine in my history. And I think the biggest thing I learned that's important from that is that you have to kind of find that balance. Like, I want to learn new things. I want to embrace the technology that's going to make people more productive 
make people feel like they're more connected, especially the remote staff. What I don't want to do is I don't want to do something just because of some sales pitch or because I saw a really cool little preview demo that looked really cool or because it's got all these promises because I've made plenty of mistakes of embracing technology that had a bunch of promises but wasn't finished. I'll tell you, since we started this podcast, I have looked at more products, more subscriptions, more little things, or I'll Google, what's the fastest way to create an audiogram? What's the quickest way? What's the easiest way to do whatever? I'm getting ads for so many different products at this point. It's nuts. And I would look at a product, I would think, okay, well, you know, that's inexpensive. It's $19 a month. That makes it really easy. And then an hour later, I'm still thinking on it and still thinking on it. And then I realized that I am Googling incorrectly. What I need to Google is how do I create this using tool A that I'm already paying for? Or how do I do this using tool B that I'm already paying for? And it is so fantastic, the information that is out there, but we don't take the time to look at the tools we have before we start looking for new tools. And I love what I've learned since we've started this podcast that the tools that I have, they do all sorts of stuff that I had no idea. But it's taking the time to learn the products that I never did take the time to do because this product did thing A for me and that's all I ever needed it to do. But now that I've learned it does B, C, and D, and now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, will it do E and F? Well, yeah, it will. Independent agents, we have the whole system, the channel, has a really bad history of utilizing the technology that we have. And maybe that's every industry. I don't know. That, that's every industry. Uh, maybe so. I mean, I don't I don't really have perspective outside the insurance industry, but I know in the independent agency system, going way back to the original agency management systems, pre-CRM, pre-customer experience software, this is just the old-fashioned agency management systems that probably started out as an accounting system because that was the big deal. I remember when I engaged with our very first agency management system, when I joined the agency, there was a lot of stuff that it would do. Then we weren't using it. We weren't doing it. And we would spend all this time looking for a piece of software that would do something that we wanted it to do. And then figure out two months later that our management system actually had that tool. I don't know why we do that. Like, we're really bad at that. I don't know if it's a laziness, maybe. I can speak to myself on that. Like, I heard about it or I saw somebody else using something or promoting something. And it's like, yeah, I've been looking for that. And so I just go subscribe to that thing. And my current thing already did it. That is that thing that we do as an industry, as a channel, for sure. You know, the other thought there is my only way to describe it is like boats and boat motors. Boat motors are always in trouble. They're always struggling because we've got a motor that has mechanical parts and oil and gas and all those things that goes with a motor to make the motor run. And we stick it in the water which is the one thing that the motor doesn't want in its engine, in itself, is water. Or salt water down here, which is even worse. Or salt water, which is even worse. And we go put it in the water, and then we get mad because our boat's always in the shop because we're having to get the boat fixed and the mo- the motor won't run. I think that's really where I feel about the independent agency channel with multiple companies and multiple moving parts. 
We keep looking for this one single thing that's going to do everything for us. The question I have at the moment is, is that one single thing that's going to do everything for us that is 80% there, is that better? 80% of the one thing than having 100% of eight different things that are trying to all connect together by a ninth thing (laughs) because there's got to be a piece of software that makes all of it talk together. And I question that. Like I'm sincerely trying to think through that and really question that because I see that's what I see happening in our industry. I see that we don't use what we have and we go out here and we do things with all these other things and we try to get all these other things to talk to each other. When if we would have just used the thing that we had to its fullest extent, maybe it's not perfect, but it got us a long ways down the road, way more efficiently and way more cost effectively. That's kind of my new thing that I'm on that I think connects back in here with sort of shiny objects and learning new things and discovering the things that are right under our nose. And so it's like, wow, how can you ever get bored in this business? But you know, the, the thing is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote the cute boy on this one. It's not my fault because it's never his fault. Right. That's his whole thing. It's not his fault. But I think sometimes when we purchase a product, we're purchasing it in its infancy or purchasing it, like you said, it at 80 percent. And these new product features are being added all the time. Yes, they probably sent me an email that said, hey, we have added this feature. Maybe, maybe not, depending on if they have technology people in charge of their marketing. And if they do have technology people in charge of their marketing, they may have said it in a way that I don't understand what they're saying. But as products add new features, a lot of times it's not our fault because we don't realize these new features have been added. So we're looking at a shiny new object when the object that we have just got shinier, we just don't realize it. I think that's brilliant. That is exactly what happens to the independent agency. And shame on the vendor for not not communicating that, not being clear there. It's like Joe's using it, so he just licensed this thing, and it does all these different things for him. That thing I licensed two years ago, it won't do it. It doesn't do that. And then you look under the hood, and actually it does it. I think that's that's extremely valuable for us to be able to say, okay, before we pull the trigger on the next shiny object thing, why don't we look at the thing we have and ask the question of, will it do it? Can it do it? Or can it do it to an extent? Can it do it to a level that will get the job done? It may not be perfect, and I may wish it. All right, 20-somethings. I really don't understand why I have to click that three times. I should just have to click it one time. But you know, those extra two clicks only took four seconds. So is it really worth investing another 3000 a month to save those two clicks? You have to balance this with cost. And the people are going to croak when I say this. The thing about technology and the thing about keeping your mind and using that 80%, sometimes it's better to throw some people at one thing. You know, keep some people involved here. Don't just think you can click a button and never touch it again. I think that's okay that you add a person in the mix of this. That's okay. Don't try to run this machine with no people forever. That's a people business. 
Two-minute warning. Don't be afraid to learn something new. It's good for you. It's healthy. Don't be scared of it. But at the same time, look at what you have and see if what you have actually might do the trick and might solve the problem without you having to go out and license two or three new things. I just don't think we we pay attention enough to the things that we have and we were too quick to jump to the next thing, the shiny object thing. So hopefully we can improve that as we continue to learn. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Tommy Lasorda, and I'm going to dedicate it to your daughter who is graduating from high school this weekend. The difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a person's determination. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at iaforward.com.